Yo, what's up fans of the beautiful game? Welcome to episode 11 of the DKB Footy Show. And yeah, the dreaded international break is back. I really find it so frustrating to find things to do during the weekends when these national breaks are going on. And I wish, I honestly hope FIFA like finds um, an alternative, finds a better way to to really schedule these international breaks because especially the first one of the season, when it comes, it's like the season is just starting to heat up. We've had um, four games now in the Premier League and two or three in the other big leagues. And then all of a sudden that momentum is gone because the international break is back and they have to go and play friendlies, especially after we just had a whole summer full of international football. Isn't there like a better way to schedule this after a World Cup um, summer where the international breaks can be pushed back or even just like the first international break should even be scrapped off or something. But anyways, um, I'm going to touch about that, talk about that a bit later on. Right now, let's have a little review of the um, biggest results of the games over the last weekend. And let's go ahead and start with the Premier League as usual. Um, Manchester City defeated Newcastle one, um, two goals to one. They returned to winning ways after the um, draw against Wolverhampton Wanderers last, um, the previous week. And they were made to work for this win as well. Benitez came with the plan that we all knew he was going to come up with. Just sit back, hit on the counter exactly as he did against Chelsea. And um in this match, yeah, they they were um they were quite um solid in defense as well. Obviously Manchester City is a better squad than Chelsea, so they definitely caused more problems to the Newcastle defense and they opened the scoring quite early on through Raheem Sterling, who is just a house on fire. I mean it seems like he's actually raising his game to new levels that um, I personally didn't think he, he was capable of raising his game to. I mean, I know he has potential and all that. Um, he has a lot of potential, to be honest. He has, he, there's a lot of raw talent in there, but I just felt that mentally he could never reach the um, levels of confidence that would allow him to actually showcase his skills on a regular basis, especially when it came to scoring goals. But that finish in this match was excellent, same as the finish in the in the first match against Arsenal. Every, um, whenever this guy starts for Man City, he's just incredible sometimes. So he opened the scoring and Newcastle eventually came back, made it 1-1 with, I believe, their first attempt on goal through DeAndre Yedlin. And then Kawaka finished them off with that cracker. That beautiful low shot, low driven shot from about 30 yards out. And Manchester City definitely deserved to win the match, but they were made to work for it, to be honest. It's starting to really show the absence of De Bruyne. Last season, I was one of those people who thought that even without, as good as De Bruyne was, even without him, I thought that Manchester City were still capable of winning the league last season. Um, this season, I mean, yeah, they've not lost. They've won three of their four opening matches, but they are definitely just not the same team with 
De Bruyne out of the pitch. And as a Manchester United fan, I'd love to see that, to be honest. But eventually he'll come back. So I would like to actually see Manchester City's position on the table when De Bruyne actually comes back and see how much of a miss he is. But so far, they're at least they are coping without him. Um, so on the other side of Manchester, we had um, Manchester United defeating Burnley two goals to nil. Manchester United um, resuming their own winning ways after a shambolic um, previous two weeks with losses to Spurs and Brighton. This was a very good performance, um, to be honest. They completely dominated the match from start to finish. The whole fluidity of the game, the creation of chances, the link-up of play, players actually knowing their roles, sticking to it, and just some nice cohesion in the team's play. It was there in this match. But again, it was against Burnley. And Burnley were just fresh off of a Europa League qualifier, which they lost. And they haven't even won any match this season. So, yeah, I don't want to get too carried away as a United fan um, about this win. But at the same time, Burnley are usually tough to beat at home, especially. They have a very good um, home record under Sean Dyche. And I would say more, um, not just the results, but just the performance. United actually played pretty well. I mean, look, um, the game could have ended four or five goes to nil and it wouldn't have been um like it would it wouldn't have been flattering united at all just look at it lukaku i mean how many chances did he have he had so many chances i know he scored the two goals which were nice the first one with the cross from sanchez was a very um beautiful cross textbook sanchez i hope to see more of that i hope he's able to keep fit so he can continue to play well but yeah, Lukaku with the two goals could have added more. And um, just that whole, the, the, the team set up also playing Fellaini. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Fellaini by any stretch of the imagination. But in these types of matches, you can see why Mourinho likes him and why he keeps refusing to let him go. Um, and it was, yeah, it was exemplified here. I mean, he handled all the area balls, all the crosses. He was able to head out every threatening ball that came into the box. And he did a good job covering that defense. And also, he was actually a pretty good um, complement to Matic. Matic has been quite sluggish, um, I would say, since he returned to um, the since he returned to the line, starting lineup last the previous week against Spurs. And... Yeah, Fellaini was actually quite helpful being in the team. And that front three of Sanchez, Lukaku and Lingard, I think that's actually United's best front three. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Martial. I would I um I would love I mean, I feel sorry for him because he was playing well before Sanchez came in. But in terms of just the cohesion in terms of um as a unit, that front three of Lukaku, Lingard, and Sanchez is good, and I th- and I hope Mourinho keeps it actually in the next few games. And um, next, oh yeah, I'm gonna. I also wanted to touch on the red card that Rashford got in that match. 
it was very naive and stupid in my opinion. I mean, he was clearly frustrated because he hasn't started any match this season. His career in United has definitely been in a limbo. It has kind of flatlined since that first season under Van Gaal. And he didn't do himself any favours, honestly, when he came on. I mean, yeah, it was nice that he, he caused the penalty. He got the foul for the penalty, which Pogba missed with that stupid run-up. But after that, um, the tackle, I mean, I could see why he was angry. Um, Bardsley, I think, yeah, it was Phil Bardsley. He, he kicked him after he had taken him, to, um, after he had committed the foul on Rashford, he still followed up with another kick, which I believe the referee missed. And that was why Rashford reacted so angrily. And some people might say, oh, he didn't actually, um, the headbutt Rashford gave or the just touch of the head actually didn't cause any harm to the player. And so he shouldn't have been sent off. But we've seen players get sent off for that, for the same reason. Richarlison was sent off for that um, the week prior to, to this. And... In my opinion, both of them should have actually been sent off because if the referee had seen that kick, I think he should have sent him off. And I don't know how the rules apply here. I mean, he still gave him a yellow card. So I don't know if it's possible for the Premier League um, board to review that incident because he gave him a yellow card for um, the altercation. He didn't give him a yellow for the kick. So... I mean, if the referee didn't see the kick, then I think it should be reviewed and Bosley, Phil Bosley should get a retrospective suspension for that. But enough about that. Next match, um, Chelsea defeated Bournemouth two goals to nil. Bournemouth were actually unlucky in my opinion. They had the best opportunities, especially in the first half. I could count one or two seemingly clear-cut opportunities that a better finisher would have um, finished. The I'm talking about the one that comes to mind is that cross that I think Callum Wilson hit over the bar, which I believe like a more deft touch would have placed it in the bottom left corner or bottom right corner, should I say. But in the second half, I mean, when you're a small team and you keep missing chances against a bigger opposition, it's bound to happen that you will rue those missed opportunities. And that's exactly what happened in the second half with Pedro coming off the bench and giving them the 1-0 lead and Hazard finishing them off later on in the um, 80-something minutes. I don't know, it was in the last five minutes, I think. So, but yeah, Chelsea keep their 100% record and the Sari revolution, the Sari ball keeps on gaining momentum, more and more momentum every single week. I'm still of the opinion that they haven't truly been tested, besides from the Arsenal match, which they could have honestly lost, if you judge it based on upon the opportunities both teams had. Apart from that match, I really haven't seen Chelsea being, be tested like that. And they also haven't outrightly dominated any team that they've played against. I mean, yes, possession... Stats are quite high for them. They've had like an average possession of like 60 to 70% every match. But they're not creating the chances. And I think it's a matter of time before they're found out. Unless they're able to improve, especially that defense. That defense needs to improve a lot. That defense is shambolic. 
And if he's not able to shore that up, I, don't, I really still don't see Chelsea as being title contenders this early in the season. But let's see how they um, continue to play after the international break. Then we had um, Arsenal defeat Cardiff three goals to two. Unai Emery's first away win under, as the Arsenal manager. And I think this is just Arsenal's second or third away win in the whole calendar year of 2018. Um, Aubameyang got his first goal, he and Lacazette as well. I like seeing Lacazette and Aubameyang play together, honestly. I think it's a lot more potent attacking-wise when the, those two are on the pitch together, this, um, starting matches. I like the idea of um, Lacazette being the main striker and Aubameyang kind of being like a floating number eight and also a winger. I like that. It's, um, it, it makes Arsenal a little bit less predictable, makes them more dynamic. And Ozil has two excellent finishers that he can provide assists to. Speaking of Ozil, this was actually his return to the squad. He got a starting position after the so-called um, illness that he had last week, which people, which most sources are saying was probably not a an illness and most likely a bust-up with Una Emery. But he came back to the starting eleven this time around and. He wasn't really. He didn't really do anything special, in my opinion. But Arsenal got the win, first win away from home. Cardiff definitely gave them scares. They came back from behind twice, until Lacazette gave that beautiful shot to the top, uh, to the near post of the keeper, which the keeper had no chance of saving. Lacazette is actually, honestly, a really good striker. I think he needs to be given more and more chances to really show his abilities. And um, next match, yeah, biggest surprise of the of the weekend was Watford defeating Spurs two goals to one, and Watford are the other team that have a hundred percent um record alongside Liverpool and Chelsea, and this is surprising because I didn't see I didn't expect anything from from them. I thought they were. Quite stale, to be honest. I like Watford was just like a really not exciting team to watch, but this season they've been quite good. They've been, they've been deserving of all of their wins, and some people are um, looking at them as being the dark horses, being the Leicester of this season. I saw stats where um, they said the pre the season before Leicester won the league. They had the they they finished with the exact same points tally, number of goals, number of um games won, and number of points yeah, and and position on the table as well. I think they they finished fourteenth on the table with forty one points, and that is exactly what Watford finished with last season. So who knows? Maybe that's an omen, but fuck that, <laughs> Watford. If they do pull another Leicester, then. I am done with saying that the Premier League is the best league in the world because that's just not not that great. I mean, I mean, I like storylines and everything, the drama of the Premier League, but come on, if Leicester won the league um, two years ago and then these guys come and win the league again, Watford, sorry, yeah, if Leicester won the league three years ago and Watford comes and wins the league this season then the quality of the Premier League is definitely going to be put on the question. But yeah, Watford got their win. 
And they go against Manchester United next week, which is going to be a very interesting match to watch as well. Um, they will see what they can do if United can, can really show that they actually have something to play for this season or if Watford can show that they actually are being heavily underestimated and are a lot better than we give them credit for. So we'll see about that. And last match, um, sorry, I'm going to also talk about Spurs. Um, after the 3-0 win over United, everybody was saying, okay, maybe this might finally be the season. And then they come and lose to Watford in a very uninspiring performance. Harry Kane looks very tired. I know he finally got his um, August goals, but he his stats are just not um, the same as they were in previous seasons. I mean, yeah, he scored two goals and it's so early in the season. But if you look at the number of shots he takes, the attempts he makes, everything is just um, has declined substantially. He's He looks very, very tired, very out of it since the World Cup. I think um, in the match in the World Cup was towards the um, even the quarterfinals or the semis. From there on, he just did not look the same again. And he hasn't up until this point. I think he needs a rest, but there really is nobody to come in and replace him if he does get a rest. That's the issue with Spurs, but I think Harry Kane needs a rest and Spurs title credentials have been given a huge blow because of this result. Um, People argued last week um, that in the win against Manchester United, they actually weren't that good. And this just shows more evidence to support that, but I don't know. I don't know if they can... Let's see if they can bounce back. But I was actually surprised that they lost this match. And it's quite disappointing. And last match, Leicester versus Liverpool. Liverpool defeated Leicester by two goals to one. They continue their 100% record as well. But honestly, in terms of the performance, Liverpool has also really not shown me anything um, special. Anything that suggests that they have what it takes to hang on and finish off a 38-game season with the Premier League in their, in their grasp. The, um, yeah, when they scored the first goal, I think they were playing well, but after they scored the first goal, they just sat back, and Leicester was actually way better than they were. And eventually they got the, their second goal. But still, I think um, it was, yeah, okay, so yeah, the second goal was through Firmino at the halftime was exactly at halftime and in the second half Leicester actually played all of the football Liverpool didn't really create any more chances and Allison decided to take the risks that he so much loves to talk about that he loves to take and he was made to look very very stupid I mean the Premier League you don't just do that as a keeper you don't keep on trying to dribble players when a simple boot of the ball like would do the job just kick it like if you're under pressure just kick it i mean yes i know these days in the 21st century like teams like keepers that can play from the back but it's not every single time you have to do it sometimes use your brain and just kick the ball and he was made to pay for it this time we all saw it coming because he'd been doing this in all of the matches that liverpool has played this season and as Klopp said it was good that it happened now as opposed to a Champions League final. Shout out to Karius. But yeah, 
that happened and Leicester came back into the game 2-1 and they could have um well I don't know if they could have because they didn't really create concrete chances like that but they gave a good performance uh, also without Jamie Vardy they they played well and Liverpool definitely needs to step up they just can't be winning games 1-0 and be saying that oh that's a sign of a champion when you can win the difficult matches no you also need to blow teams away especially at this point of the season when it's not it hasn't even really kicked off yet they need to be putting teams away and aside from that 4-0 victory in the opening day against West Ham they've really not done that but anyways that's it with the Premier League on to Syria um, Juventus defeated Parma by two goals to one Ronaldo still searching for his first goal and in this in this match, uh, he didn't really play that well, to be honest. In the other matches, I would say that he was quite unlucky not to score. But in this match, he didn't really have any clear-cut chances like that. But in terms of the effort, he was definitely putting in the regular effort that he puts in. And I think this is also following a trend of Ronaldo in the past three seasons where he's really found it hard to get going at the beginning of the season but then once the business really starts to kick in once the champions league knockout stages um commence he just becomes a different animal and he basically makes up for all the goals he didn't score in the first half of the season and juventus obviously only signed him for the champions league so i think there's no cause to be alarmed or to worry he's gonna come good juventus can win Serie A with or without ronaldo in the in the team they bought him for the champions league and he's definitely going to step up at that time and score shit loads of goals so no concern there ac milan beat roma 2-1 um roma has been quite disappointing as well ac milan has been quite good to be honest Gazzisso seems like he really knows what he's doing with this team he has a good plan and um, let's see if they continue to push on with this momentum. And Napoli were defeated 3-0 by Sampdoria. Uh, Carlo Ancelotti was handed his first loss of the season. And it was a, an emphatic loss. Very embarrassing. And what about that third goal from Quagliarella? That was a beautiful finish. Oh my God, I think that's definitely going to be in the um a contender for the Pushkas award and yeah who can argue against it, it was a beautiful goal it's so it was so bossy but i i know he didn't celebrate because he was a former napoli player and he still loves napoli but it was just bossy the way he just like scored that audacious flick and then just like walked like it was a normal monday in the office but yeah that was cool la liga Barcelona defeated Huesca, eight goals to two. Well, no surprise there. Every year, there's always the team in La Liga where Barcelona and Real Madrid just wallop them, just beat them like to shreds. And it's, it happens less and less compared to when it used to in um, between like 2010 to 2015. Nowadays, teams don't just get thrashed anyhow, but it still happens once in a while. And this was one of them. And yeah, they're a newly promoted team, so can't really expect too much. But yeah, destruction. They beat them 8-2. And Barcelona just looks like they're just not going to let go of this La Liga. La Liga is their bread and butter, especially with Messi. Their Messi is just a different animal when it comes to La Liga. He's always scoring goals, and it's going to be very tough to 
take it away from them. Um, at Real Madrid beat Leganes four goals to one. Benzema with the double, Bale with one, and Ramos with the penalty. And it seems that Bale and Benzema are really on fire. They're really playing well together, scoring goals in every match. Um, seems like the absence of Ronaldo hasn't affected them too much yet. And they're surviving well. They're coping well without him. Especially Bill. Bill was the one who has the who's supposedly supposed to take over the mantle from Ronaldo and be the new main man for Real Madrid. And he's managed to do that. I don't know if he's gonna continue it because we all know he's an injury prone player and an injury that can easily knock him out for like two months. But I hope that's not the case because I'm a huge fan of Gareth Bale. I think he's a very good player. And he's gotten a lot of undeserved stick since he went to Real Madrid. People saying that he's overrated. He's absolutely not overrated. He, on his day, I would still say he's among the top five best players in the world. And so more power to him. Hope he continues in this fashion. Um, Salta, Salta Vigo beat Atletico Madrid two goals to nil. I know I was saying in past um, in the previous podcast that I thought Atletico Madrid were going to win the league, but honestly, they've dropped points against Valencia and then they lost 2-0 to Celta Vigo. Um, their case is becoming harder and harder to make, honestly. I think at this point of the season, you don't lose so badly. You, you can't afford to lose in La Liga if you want to win the league. You can't afford to lose this early in the season. I mean, Barcelona and Real Madrid, they will rarely drop points like this. So, Atletico Madrid almost like, I don't think they can lose anymore in the whole first half of the season if they want to continue challenging for the, for the league. But yeah, it was a disappointing loss for them. They lost 2-0. And yeah, it's pointing in the direction of another two-horse race between Real Madrid and Barcelona as usual. But I hope that's not the case. I hope either of them drop points at some point so that um, Atletico would have another chance to really stake their claim as title contenders. League 1, we got PSG defeating Nîmes four goals to two. Same old, same old. Also, um, Mbappe scored that beautiful goal and then he got sent off later on. A similar case to Rashford. Um, a player put in a really harsh tackle and Mbappe just reacted naively as well, like any young player his age would. And um, yeah, but I like what he said after he was like, I would do it again because it was really a bullshit um, foul by that guy and he had it coming. Well, obviously, they're not going to miss him because it's, it's league on. They can win, the match, win every match without even him and Neymar and the team. So he's been given a three-match ban and... Yeah, that's that. So we've got the international break. As I was saying earlier, really, like the international break is just the buzzkill. I mean, it just kills the momentum of the season. It's it's really just like not exciting. Like there's nothing to look forward to, even when big teams are playing against each other. Nobody really wants to like watch and because like the teams don't even take it that seriously. And I um, well the the UEFA Nations League has just kicked off. It has started. It's um, it's interesting. I I 
I mean, I'm I'm a bit of a fan because I I like how like FIFA and UEFA are trying to make international friendlies more, so international breaks more interesting and more competitive. So I like the concepts of this UEFA Nations League. And um, but I really don't know how seriously the big teams are going to take it. I mean, we had Germany and France play yesterday, who, to be fair, they fielded very strong teams, but. In terms of play, in terms of the intensity, it wasn't there. The match ended nil-nil, and it was a really drab affair. It was a really boring match. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how seriously teams are going to take this UEFA Nations League. But it's a nice concept, though. I, I like the idea of it. I also like the fact that the bigger teams play against each other, and they, which gives the smaller teams a good chance to go as far as they can in the competition. And, yeah, that's... That's a nice, it's a, it's a nice concept. But that being said, it still doesn't really make the international break that much more interesting in my opinion. I still find it really boring. Um, I'm only really going to watch the bigger teams play. As I said, the Germany-France um, match. And yeah, I think okay, another notable fixture was um, Liverpool, um, <laughs> I said Liverpool, was Wales defeating um, Ireland. Gareth Bale stepped up again with a beautiful goal and he always plays well for for Wales which is always nice to see and yeah that's the only other notable fixture besides from the Germany France game and in terms of the international break there was also um Portugal played against Croatia they played a draw 1-1 draw with Croatia without Ronaldo in the team um, a lot of younger players are given a chance, and yeah, that ended one one. And yeah, that's that's really that about the international break. I'm really not excited about it. I think really the best thing about the international break is that it gives you the opportunity to appreciate other things that you take for granted when regular season football is is being played. I mean, yeah, now at least you have a full weekend to take her dog for a walk, <laughs> take her girlfriend out to go see a movie or something, or take your wife and kids out, you know? So, yeah, it gives you a chance to really appreciate other um, things that we might not really necessarily put as a priority when football is going on. So, yeah, that's really the biggest advantage of the international break. Besides from that, oh, it's so drab. I just can't wait for for um, the leagues to return next week. And, yeah, one more thing I wanted to talk about. I um, see that in UEFA, they're reviewing the away goals rule and considering um, cancelling it totally and letting teams just... Um, letting goal aggregate just um, be the decider. And I think part of the argument, part of the reason why it's being reviewed is because the away goals rule is really old. It was put at a time when um, teams in the Champions League, when teams didn't really, um, away teams didn't really have an incentive to go out and try and score a goal. Instead, they preferred defending and waiting to win the match in their own home. So the away goals rule was kind of like an added incentive for games to be more exciting because away teams would try and attack and get an away goal, which was more valuable than a goal scored at home. So the way football has changed today, where home or away, 
teams go all out, they play open attacking football, it really doesn't serve the purpose that it used to back in the day. Also, um, now um, transport is a lot easier. They can go on like private jets, first class flights, or beautiful, cozy team buses. So the strain of traveling isn't as bad as it used to be. And I guess that's why the away goal rule seems archaic, seems redundant now. But on the flip side, I am actually a fan of the away goal rule because I think it prevents um it prevents extra time, which honestly I know yeah, extra time is nice, but extra time also is quite slow. It's when both teams are very tired and they're knackered and they don't really give their best in extra time. So I think anything that can be done to avoid extra time and subsequently penalties should be done. And I, th- and I like the away goal rule because it reduces the likelihood of teams going into extra time. Because once, um, once uh, let's say the first leg ended um, 2-0 in favor of the home team, and then in the second leg, the, te- the team that was at home that is now away is um losing like four goals to two then it's not going to go to extra time there's no chance of extra time happening again because of the away goal rule because one team has scored more away goals than the other team so the so um extra time is not going to happen i like that i like that idea and um one thing i would say though about the away goal rule is that i i don't like away goal rules still counting in extra time and i say that because Let's say Barcelona and Manchester United play, um, they're playing in the Champions League and in the first leg, let's say um, Barcelona were at home in the first leg and then they won um, 2-0 and then in the return leg at Old Trafford, in, in normal time, United wins 2-0. So then the match now goes into extra time and then in extra time, Barcelona scores one goal to make to to make the match two one, and then United only has, like let's say like like only has limited time to score two more goals because if they score a third goal to make it three one, then they're still gonna be effectively out. So they have to win by four goals to one, and they only have thirty minutes of extra time to pull this off, which is a very small amount of time. So what I'm saying is that the the team that plays at home in the first leg is given 90 minutes plus extra time to score an away goal in the second leg. And I don't think that's really fair. I think it should be 90 minutes for both teams. And if both teams are unable to um, beat each other out, to cancel each other within 90 minutes, then forget the away, the away goal rule in extra time and just let it be whoever is able to win on aggregate should win the match. There shouldn't be anything like away goals. If if the aggregate score is still the same after extra time, even when both teams have scored, then go to penalties. That's fair enough. But it's not fair on the team that is going to be at home for the second leg to have to um, prevent away goals goals from from beating them in 90 minutes plus 30 minutes of extra time Whereas the team that was at home in the first leg only had to prevent away goals for uh, um, 
for the duration of 90 minutes. I don't know if it's a bit complicated what I'm saying, but basically I'm saying that an extra time away goals should be removed. I don't think they really um, serve any purpose in extra time, but in regular time, I'm still a fan of the, the away goal rule. I think still in general, the bigger teams usually do win on away goals. And yeah, that shouldn't be scrapped off. But it's interesting. I'm, I, I'd like to see the whole debate surrounding this and I'm going to be just interested in seeing the results. I don't know if, if any decision is made. I don't know if it's going to affect the Champions League this season or when it will take effect. But um, yeah, let's continue to monitor that story and see how it goes. But anyways, guys, that's all I've got for today. So yeah, try and make the most out of this weekend as you can without football. Try not to cry. Try not to go get depressed just um appreciate other things and that would definitely make you appreciate the regular season a lot more when it eventually comes back next week so so yeah enjoy the weekend those who are into international breaks enjoy those as well enjoy the friendlies if you if you like that and i will see you guys next week bye-bye